A quick listener warning. This episode contains subject matter dealing with suicide. If you or anyone you know is in need of help, please visit the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline at 1-800-273-8255 or visit suicidepreventionlifeline.org for help. Whatever you're going through, you're not alone. Thank you, and enjoy the story. It's another day in your life. I know this because I'm with you for every detailed nuance you choose to acknowledge or ignore. I'm not really anyone that's special or important. I'm a bit boring myself, and that being said, we'll focus on you for the duration of this podcast. If you ever wondered what happens after you die, why you can't let go of your first love, why you're always choosing people who hurt you or maybe fearful you'll miss the best part of your life among the details of routine, well, that's where I come in. See, I'm not here to tell you how to live your life because you're already living it. I'm here to narrate the details of what you're doing so when you wake up or when you fall asleep, you'll know the day you lived, well, it matters. Welcome to Narratives. Most suicides aren't some lonely teenager with a broken heart. Most suicides are 85-year-olds. Or older. It makes sense if you think about it. Living that long, seeing that much of the world's bullshit. Eventually, most people would sooner swallow a bullet than deal with another pointless 24 hours of pain. Locked away in some broken body, all of one's transgressions on display with a hunched-over posture, Sagging skin, stench of urine, and possibly a mind that can't remember how to tie its own shoes. You weren't too far behind, still lingering in the next major group of suicides, 55 to 65. Apparently, there was a 10-year break in self-annihilation before you hit 85. Helios looks at his hands and finds himself romanticizing death again. You refer to yourself in third person more than you remember. Not because you're the pretentious type, but more to remind yourself of your name. It's Helios, by the way. Your name is Helios. Third-person references are just one of the many tricks that you've learned over the last few years as the early Alzheimer's sets in. No one knows it yet, except you and your doctor. It's not as bad as it sounds, really. You pull it off with a snarky sense of humor when you forget your co-workers' names for a few minutes or go blank in the middle of your presentations at the firm. None of the kids that are running the place bother to correct you since it's your last year there and you're retiring in a week. You let out a sigh and look back at your hands as they grip the golden-wrapped chocolate bar you're not supposed to be eating in a Coke. You wanted to buy a bottle of whiskey, but after the day you had, booze isn't the most responsible thing to wash it down with. The crowded line of worker bees that you stand in at the grocery store doesn't seem to mind your appearance. Your wispy white hair is a mess. Your stubble has grown out. Your white button-up has fresh oil stains and the entire thing is off by one button. The dark brown slacks you wear, the ones that barely fit you, are torn in the left butt cheek and honestly, you don't know if people behind you can see your boxers or gray ass hair. Either way, you're glad you can't see it. The ache in your lower back is more angry than usual. Your knees and hips are throbbing after you attempted to kneel down on Arlington Heights and Lake Cook Road. 
You chuckle at the black oil grease kicked on your fingertips. The residue smears on the golden wrapped chocolate, so you wipe it clean on your white stained shirt. You were headed home when the rear tire of your 2001 Honda Accord blew out. In the middle of trying to remember how to get to the grocery store and why you were actually going to the grocery store, you must have hit a curb turning left on Arlington Heights. The rear axle was unfazed, but the tire gave in to the impact, sending your Accord limping across the intersection. By the time you found a place to pull over, the rubber was shredded beyond any semblance of repair. You sat in the driver's seat staring at your phone, debating on whether to call AAA or attempt to throw on the spare in the trunk. From what you could remember, from what Helios could remember, he had chosen to put on the spare himself because he suddenly found himself standing in the middle of the street. Mid-sized SUVs flew past him. A few honked at him, honked at you, as you made your way around the rear of the Accord. A moment of clarity dawned. This was your car, and you had a flat that you were going to repair. That's right. Another break in time. You're hunched over, struggling with a hubcap, knees on fire from having scraped the pavement when you must have carelessly knelt on the street. The plastic hubcap bent and creaked, but refused to relinquish itself to you. The day grew hotter. And in your frustration, you thought about walking to the grocery store and leaving the useless vehicle on the side of the road. Who would miss it after all? My name is Helios. You remembered saying to the young man that somehow appeared at your side. You looked over his shoulder to see a 1999 Pontiac Grand Prix parked behind you. It was just as beat up as one would imagine a 99 Grand Prix would look. He gave you a smile, then went to work, popping the hubcap off the wheel, before grabbing the spare tire waiting next to him. You looked at your trunk, and it had been opened. The spare and roadside jack removed from the spare wheel well in the back. The sun in the sky had moved without your permission. Before you got back into the car, you had insisted on paying the young man for his trouble, but he only shook his head with a smile. He said to get home safe, that he was sorry for your loss, and Virginia sounded like a sweetheart. It was strange he knew about your wife, or who she was when she was alive. He pulled away with a wave from behind the steering wheel, his oversized green subway employee shirt drenched in sweat and oil. You let out a low hum as you remember his words. In your hands, the coke swishes back and forth as you try to remember Virginia. The memories aren't as readily accessible as they were before. You have to try a little harder to remember the specifics of the surroundings, the names of the other people, even the exact circumstances of the memory you attempt to recall tend to be a bit further away from your grasp these days. Where did you meet Virginia again? Was it in Grand Rapids or Niagara? There's a small shuffle of sound that gathers your attention as the line moves up. Virginia had been gone for more than a decade now. The small duplex seemed painfully quiet when she wasn't there to give life to its empty rooms. Time and its unwavering cruelty continued on without her, and eventually, you had to as well. 
Every night, sitting in the same chair, watching the same shows you had enjoyed together. Nearly speaking aloud to the vacant couch next to the coffee table. The holidays came and went, as usual. Halloween reminded you of the ghosts and paranormal shows she watched during the fall season. Virginia swore she had seen three ghosts growing up in her house back in Queens. Helios laughs to himself. You laugh to yourself. Christmas was the hardest during the first year. You didn't bother putting up the tree until December 23rd. You knew Virginia would have missed seeing it if she could have somehow visited you after her death. A ghost. The fourth year wasn't all too bad since the pandemic had shut down the world. You felt oddly comfortable in the midst of isolation surrounded by so much death. For once in your life, you didn't feel alone in the world. By the eighth year, you had dropped the formalities of death and would speak to her all the time when you were home, taking a shower, brushing your teeth, waking up and getting dressed. You had taken to conversing with Virginia's absence as much as her memory. Two years back, out of the corner of your eye, you saw her walk across the hallway. The same pattern she traced between the bathroom and your bedroom. You called out her name, and for a second, you heard her answer you. When you walked into the bathroom and turned on the lights, no one greeted you. Like always. You wept that night, and in the back of your mind, the thought began to creep up with your lack of awareness. You missed Virginia more than ever, and life wasn't as fun as it used to be. There wasn't any family to reach out to since you never had children together. And honestly, you always wanted a daughter. The line shuffles and you snap out of your musing. The young man comes to mind as you write your posture by the magazine rack. His name was... Larry... or... Lewis. Your name is Helios. What was his name? He reminded you of someone you can't remember anymore. His disposition was that of a young man out of time, not the current hell you find yourself in. He was respectful, courteous, and didn't have any apprehensions about helping you. There was a sadness in his eyes that you immediately identified, but don't remember why. Did you ask him why he was hurt? You can't remember, as usual. He looked like he had been crying, and if you weren't as old as you are, you would have missed it. In all your years of grief, you had come to know the hidden blink of lamentations behind cheerful eyes. The card reader at the cash register squawks angrily at the young woman in front of it. Her blonde hair hides most of her face as she lets out a sigh and looks at the card in her hand. The cashier doesn't bother saying a word but instead leans back and grabs her phone. Helios looks at the counter. A few plastic bags of groceries are already bagged and waiting to be taken by the girl who nervously slides her card into the little machine again. The card reader squawks. You look over your shoulder and the rest of the worker bees are staring down at their own phones. Most with earbuds at full volume in an attempt to drown out the senselessness of life itself. You turn back around and see the young girl fumble with the same card. She flips it over again, then slides it into the reader for a third time. The card reader squawks again. Louder, if that's even possible. She pulls the card out and holds it in between her hands. 
clasped together against her chest like a prayer to Bank of America. Her long eyelashes shut tight against her lack of funds, prevent her from seeing you quietly approach. Barbara, the apathetic cashier, looks up from her phone as you hand the chocolate bar and coke to her. She absentmindedly scans it and tosses the items in one of the young woman's bags before returning to her phone. The young woman looks up at you, tears down her face as you smile warmly and slide your card through the reader. The little machine chimes, happy to serve its function, and you slip your card back into your wallet, quietly sauntering off into the crowd. You would have said something to the young woman, but you were already starting to cry. You don't remember why exactly, but at the same time you had completely forgotten why you went to the grocery store in the first place. All you knew was that a young man helped you repair a flat, and a young woman needed her groceries. As you leave the store, you see Virginia smile at you from behind the crowd, and then she vanishes. Your name is Helios. Remember that. Your Name is Helios was written and performed by Gabriel N. Elizondo. Music and effects provided by Epidemic Sound. For a complete list of featured songs in this episode and additional content, please visit www.gabrielnelizondo.com or click the link in the show notes. If you or anyone you know is experiencing thoughts of self-harm, please contact the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline at 1-800-273-8255 or visit suicidepreventionlifeline.org for help. Narratives with Gabriel N. Elizondo is a Crown and Coil production all written content and performances are exclusive properties of Crown and Coil Productions. If you liked what you heard, please leave a rating and review. It really does help. And thank you for being part of our story. <laughs>